Use rigging, hoisting, lifting, and positioning equipment and rigging loads for cranes. Section 2. Describe hoisting, lifting, and rigging equipment. Lifting and hoisting accessories. Rigging loads for lifting requires various hardware items to be used. The correct selection, inspection, and assembly of each of these hardware items is critical to a safe lift. This hardware includes components such as turnbuckles, eye bolts, shackles, cable clips and thimbles, hooks, slings and hitches, and spreader bars. Turnbuckles. Turnbuckles are used to adjust the lengths of slings so that loads can be lifted in a level position. Turnbuckles are metal sleeves with left-hand internal threads on one end and right-hand internal threads at the other. Threaded metal rods are fitted into each end. The ends of these threaded rods are available as eyes, jaws, or hook. All hooks on turnbuckles must have the safety catch. It is important to prevent turnbuckle ends from rotating. Rotation can be caused by, by, by vibration or by tension on the rope attached to the turnbuckle. If there is any chance that the ends of the turnbuckles could rotate within the sleeve, the end should be wired to the sleeve with a lock wire, as shown. Eye bolts. Eye bolts are used to provide a point of attachment for hoisting. There are two types, shoulder and shoulderless. Shoulderless eye bolts must not be used in overhead lifting, as force applied from the side at any angle will break the stem of the bolt. Shoulder-type eye bolts are available to withstand pulls up to 45 degrees from vertical, providing the pull is applied along the plane of the eye. Pulling at an angle that is not in the same plane will bend or break the eye. Always make sure that the eye bolt is properly installed so that the shoulder is tight against the load. Do not use an eye bolt to lift if there is any space between the shoulder and the load, as it will act as a shoulderless eye bolt and could break off under stress. The working load limits, WLL, for eye bolts are given for vertical pulls. When lifting at an angle, you must reduce the WLL of the eye bolts as follows. Vertical pull equals no reduction in WLL. 15 degrees from vertical equals 45% reduction in WLL. 30 degrees from vertical equals 65% reduction in WLL. 45 degrees from vertical equals 75% reduction in WLL. Over 45 degrees from vertical is not recommended. Shackles. Shackles are used to connect a sling to a load. They should be used whenever two or more ropes are to be placed over a hook. The shackle should have a throat large enough to avoid crowding and pinching the ropes. The load rating of a shackle must be shown as a stamped or embossed number on the body of the shackle. Do not use shackles that do not have a load rating. Never replace the pin of a shackle with an ordinary bolt. Shackle pins are made of hardened steel. Ordinary bolts will bend under load and will damage the shackles. In many applications, the shackle pin must be secured for safety. The pin may be wired off to prevent it from turning out or the pin must be seized in place. Figure 9 shows a shackle attachment that could cause the screw pin to become loose. Never attach a shackle so that the load is applied to the sides of the shackle, called crossbow loading. Always apply the load on the pin and on the end of the shackle. To prevent crossbow loading, never use a shackle with slings 
where the sling angle will exceed 45 degrees between the two slings at the shackle. Figure 10 shows the correct method for attaching a shackle to a lifting hook. Note that if the width of the shackle's opening is considerably greater than the thickness of the hook, packing washers should be used to center the hook on the shackle. Shackles may be used to form a choker hitch, but you must make sure the pin is not bearing on any moving part of the rope. The rope could cause a screw pin to turn and become loose. There are three basic types of pins available for shackles. Screw pins, round pins, safety type pins. The screw pin shackle is most commonly used. Cable clips and thimbles. Cable clips are used to fasten the end of a wire rope back onto its standing part to form a loop. Cable clips provide a relatively quick and easy method for tying wire rope. However, the crimping action of cable clips will significantly reduce the breaking strength of wire rope up to 20%. The two most popular types of cable clips are the U-bolt clip and the double saddle or fist grip clip shown here. The U-portion must be installed on the dead end of the line. The space between cable clips is usually equal to six or seven rope diameters. The distance from the rope end to the first cable clip should also be six or seven rope diameters. To figure out how many clips are required to make the loop, multiply the rope diameter by three and round up to the next number. Wire rope has a tendency to stretch a small amount when first put into service. Wire rope reduces in diameter as it stretches. Tighten all of the cable clips after the first hour of service in a new connection. If the cable clip connection is under heavy strain, check the tightness of the nuts at regular intervals until no change in their tightness is observed. The correct procedure for installing cable clips is as follows. Number one, calculate the length required for the loop, number of clips required times six rope diameters. Install the first clip six rope diameters from the rope end. Tighten the nuts to the recommended torque using a torque wrench. Two, install the second clip as near the thimble as possible. Tighten the nuts but do not torque. Number three, install all other clips at equal spacing. Apply tension to the rope and then torque all the nuts. Correctly installed cable clips reduce the breaking strength of the wire rope by 20%. Incorrectly installed cable clips can reduce the breaking strength up to 50%. Hooks. Of the many types of hooks available, the most commonly selected include the standard eye hook, slip, grab, and sorting hooks. The standard safety eye hook is commonly used to lift loads that have been rigged, as is the variation that includes a swivel base. All hoisting hooks, except grab and sorting hooks, must have safety catches. Open hooks must not be used to lift a bucket, cage, or skip if there is a possibility the load could injure people. Hooks are usually made of alloy steel, and their working load limit should be stamped on them. It is important to remember that the working load limit applies only when the load sits in the saddle of the hook. If the load is off-center or sits between the saddle and the tip, working load limit is significantly reduced. Slip and grab hooks are generally attached to the ends of the chains to pick up or pull a load. Sorting hooks are also referred to as shakeout hooks and are primarily used at the end of slips for picking up steel plate and other steel structural shapes. 
The long, thin hook can slide in between closely stacked steel shapes. When sorting hooks are used to lift heavy loads, you must ensure that the load sits squarely in the bottom or saddle of the hook. To protect chains from the stress of twisting while under load, all hoisting chains should be equipped with swivels, such as those shown here. Choker hooks. Choker hooks are a fitting at the end of a sling. The width of the hook protects connected ropes from sharp bends. When the hook is attached back onto its sling, it forms a choker hitch. The standard choker hook shown here is attached to the end of the sling. The sling is passed around the load and the wide surface of the hook is hooked over the standing part of the sling. A variation of the standard choker hook, the adjustable or sliding choker hook below, is mounted on a sling and has a loop at each end. The sling is passed around a load and the end loop is hooked over the choker hook. Slings and Hitches most items that require hoisting have no provisions for attaching a hoisting line to them. Slings are used to connect the load to the lifting device. Slings may be made of fiber rope, wire rope, chain, or webbing. Slings may be attached to loads in a variety of ways. To protect both the load and the sling, place padding between the sling and any sharp corners on the load, called softeners. The simplified diagrams in the following pages may not show softeners being used, but they should be applied whenever possible in the field. Identification. All slings must have an identification tag under ANSI, ASME, or CSA guidelines. This tag lists the following shackles web slings should be inspected for. Name of manufacturer. Diameter of width and length of sling. Materials. Rated load. Forgive type of hitch. Lift angle upon which load rating is based. Sling design factor. One must apply a safety factor of 5 to 1 to every lift. This is to account for overloading, abrasion, crushing, kinking, and impact loading of slings. Some engineered lifts may have safety factors of 6 to 1, 8 to 1, 10 to 1, or higher. Synthetic web slings. Synthetic web slings, typically made from woven nylon, are available in a variety of shapes and widths. They are softer and wider than most other slings, so better protect the load against marring or scratching. The shapes most commonly found are illustrated below. Some web slings have metal end fittings instead of sewn eyes. Two types are available. A basket web sling has metal triangles of equal size at each end of the webbing. A choker web sling has a larger triangle containing a slot at one end and a smaller triangle at the other end. The smaller triangle can be passed through the slot of the larger triangle to form a choker hitch. Metal mesh slings. Loads that are too abrasive or too hot for synthetic webbing yet require a wide bearing surface of a web belt are rigged with slings made of metal mesh. These metal mesh slings are usually equipped with triangle ends that permit the use of either a basket or a choker hitch. Chain. Chain slings have certain applications as they do not kink, are able to withstand rough handling, and are resistant to abrasion and corrosion. However, they have zero elasticity, and due to their nature, chains are less reliable than wire rope or synthetic slings and can fail without warning. The term weak link illustrates the fact that one chain link can cause catastrophic failure 
bear's wire rope will break progressively over time and show signs of stress or damage upon inspection. Chain sling identification will indicate the manufacturer's approval for hoisting. It will also show the chain's size, WLL, length, and manufacturer. Chain slings require documented annual inspections. For a sound inspection of chain slings, clean the chain first, then inspect for wear or stretching. Any stretch over 5% means links should be removed from service. COHS Regs, Section 15. Any cracks means the entire chain should be removed from service. Rules for safe chain use include Only use alloy chain slings for hoisting. Always use softeners for rectangular loads. Avoid shock loading. Never repair or weld links and never shorten a chain by tying a knot or bolting two links together. If links bind together, this is an indication of stretching. A further inspection is required. When a chain is used for a basket hitch, always hook to master link, not the chain itself. Store chain in a dry place with room to. Identification. Synthetic web slings must bear a tag indicating the WLL, working load limit, also known as safe working load, of the sling. This tag must never be removed or tampered with. Inspection. Web slings should be inspected for worn or distorted fittings, cuts, holes, punches, tears, frayed material, broken stitching, and burns from acid, caustic chemicals, or heat. Inspect the slings carefully and make a decision. If you are not sure the sling is safe, tag it so that it will not be used by another worker and notify your supervisor about your decision. Have your supervisor make the necessary arrangements to have the sling inspected for safety before it is returned to service. Single Vertical Hitch The single vertical hitch consists of a single leg of sling material with a hook or an eye at each end. The eyes on the fiber or wire rope should be lined with thimbles to protect the strands. Bridle Hitch Two, three, or more legs may be used together to form a bridle hitch. Bridle hitches are generally used on loads that have suitable attachment points. To keep the load stable, the attachment points must be above the load center of gravity. When a bridle hitch has more than two legs, do not assume that all legs are sharing the load equally. Regardless of the total number of legs, the full weight of the load might be shared by only two legs. The other legs may simply be balancing the load. For this reason, the size of the slings in a multi-leg bridle hitch should be designed so that any one sling could safely support half the load. Single basket hitch. Single basket hitches are made from a single length of sling material passed through an opening in a load with both ends of the sling attached to the main hook. Single basket hitches must not be used on loads that could tilt and slide out of the hitch. When a sling is wrapped around a square object, the sharp corners must be padded to protect both the sling and the object being lifted. Double basket hitch. Loads that require support from underneath can be lifted with a double basket hitch. The double basket hitch has to be located so that the load is balanced between the two points of support. The two points must also be far enough apart to prevent the load from tipping and sliding out. Loads that require support from underneath can be lifted with a double basket hitch. 
the double basket hitch has to be located so that the load is balanced between the two points of support. The two points must also be far enough apart to prevent the load from tipping and sliding out. The legs of a double basket hitch should be inclined at an angle of at least 60 degrees to horizontal to prevent the legs from sliding toward each other. By using longer slings, you can spread the legs further apart and still maintain the 60 degree slope. Note that there is the possibility of the slings sliding toward each other under load and the load tipping out of the slings unless steps are taken to secure the slings in place, such as by using pieces of wood for the slings to bind against when lifting metal pipes. Double wrap basket hitches. Loose loads can be securely rigged for hoisting with double basket hitches if you wrap the sling completely around the load. This double wrapping compresses all the components together so that even the top pieces will not slide out of the rigging. Single choker hitch. Single choker hitches are made with a single length of sling material hooked back to itself just above the load. There are several methods of securing one end of the sling back upon itself to form the single choker, but none will totally secure the top of loose loads. Double choker hitch. Double choker slings must be used on all horizontal loads comprising two or more pieces of material that are over 3 meters or 10 feet in length. Double wrap choker hitch. The double wrap choker hitch is similar to the double wrap basket hitch in that both squeeze the load from all sides. Double rack choker hitches may be used singly or in pairs. Endless slings. Endless slings, also known as grommet slings, can be used in a variety of configurations. They are simply continuous loops of the same material. Endless slings are usually made of fiber rope or synthetic webbing. They are light to handle and do not damage the loads. But because they are subjected to sharp bends, they tend to deteriorate more rapidly than do most other types of slings. Spreader bars. Long loads are often attached to spreader bars or beams before they are hoisted to prevent the load from tipping or sliding out of their rigging. Equalizer bars ensure that the load is distributed evenly between the legs of a sling or between the hoist lines when more than one is used. The following figures show spreader and equalizer bars and how they are used to keep loads evenly balanced. Equalizer bars, spreader bars, and all lifting devices must be professionally designed and manufactured. They must be certified by a registered professional engineer, stamped with a certification, and marked with a safe working load. Homemade lifting devices, such as S-hooks, are not permitted. Lifting and Hoisting Equipment Note, no person shall operate any lifting or hoisting equipment without training. All training must be provided by a qualified instructor who has received training from the original equipment manufacturer in the adequate operation of the specific equipment. No training materials other than the original equipment manufacturer's operations manual may be used for training purposes. Manual lifting devices. Manual lifting devices include block and tackle, chain hoists, come-alongs, and turfer jacks. Block and tackle. A block and tackle uses fiber ropes rather than wire rope. A block and tackle is capable of increasing lifting capacity. This increase can be easily calculated by counting either the number of ropes that leave the traveling block or by counting the number of shivs, the grooved wheels, 
For example, a block and tackle with four shivs, two on the fixed block and two on the movable block could lift a thousand kilogram load by exerting a pull of only 250 kilograms. This is important in that the load being lifted could be considerably greater than the breaking strength of the rope. A block and tackle has no braking device or safety system. It cannot support a load unless the line is anchored. Snatch blocks. A snatch block is a pulley block with a side plate that swings open. Because the side plate opens up, the cable does not have to be threaded through the opening. Instead, the side plate is opened and a bite of the cable is placed over the pulley. Chain hoists. Chain hoists, also known as chain falls or endless chains, are dependable and economical devices for vertical lifting. Both manually operated and electrically powered hoists are available. They are lifting devices which move loads either up and down or sideways, but never both at the same time. Chain hoists are most often used for vertical lifts but can be used for horizontal pulls. They are hand-operated and are available in a variety of capacities, from 450 kilograms to 9,000 kilograms, half ton to 10 tons. The lifting capacity of a chain hoist must be clearly marked on the hoist, and this capacity must never be exceeded. Movement of the load is slow, and distance per lift is limited by the length of the lifting chain. Endless chains. An endless hand chain turns the drive pulley. The drive pulley is connected to the lifting chain by a series of reduction gears that multiply the amount of force the operator exerts on the hand chain. To lower loads, you simply pull the hand chain in the opposite direction. Endless chains have the benefit of holding the load without engaging any kind of brake. Come along. Come alongs, or pullers, are similar to chain hoists, except they are activated by a ratchet lever rather than by an endless chain. They are more convenient for horizontal pulls than chain hoists because they are more compact. Although they usually have a smaller capacity than chain hoists, similar to chain hoists, capacities for come-alongs must be clearly marked and never exceeded. They are very useful in repair shops for pulling heavy parts into position prior to welding or bolting. Inspection procedures for come-alongs include the inspection of the lifting medium, chain or wire, safety requirements, for wire, chain, and other attaching devices are equivalent. Never substitute regular chain for the original lifting chain supplied with the come-along. Do not use any extensions on the handle to apply more force. Turfer jacks. Turfer jacks are hand-operated lifting or pulling devices that have an unlimited amount of rope travel. They work by direct pull on a wire rope that usually has a hook attached to one end. The other end is a plane end, which is the end that is initially fed through the turfer. The pull is applied by means of two pairs of self-energizing smooth jaws that exert a grip on the rope in proportion to the load actually being lifted or pulled. The initial pressure that causes the jaws to grip the rope and starts the self-energizing action is provided by springs, which give a pressure of about 800 kPa or 120 psi. The two levers, A and B, that activate these jaws provide a forward or backward motion to the rope. Depending on which lever is used, the release lever, C, should never be left in the release position. A removable pipe handle is used to operate these levers. The jack can be attached directly to the load or can be anchored near the ground. Note, 
Always try to position the jack so that you will not be harmed should the load drop. Turfer jacks are available in three sizes, 750 kilogram or 1600 pounds, 1600 kilograms or 3,500 pounds, and 3,200 kilograms or 7,000 pound capacity. All turfer jacks are built with overload protection consisting of a shear pin in the lifting lever connection, which breaks when the load weight has been exceeded, preventing further movement of the load. Never replace the specific application wire rope used with the turfer jack with another piece of wire rope unless it has the same specifications as the original. Electric hoists. Electric hoists are much faster and productive than manual hoists, although they are often more costly. They usually have a push-button control suspended from a chain or wire rope. Both manual and electric hoists can be stationary or movable. Movable types are used on overhead runways, gantry cranes, jib cranes, and overhead traveling cranes. Some hoists are manually pulled along the overhead runway or boom, while others may be motor-driven. Hoists are manufactured in many capacities. Workplace regulations typically require that all trolleys be equipped with drop stops, automatic brakes that prevent the load from falling. Floor hoists. A typical hydraulic floor hoist or floor crane is shown in figure 44. The lifting reach can be changed by moving the boom in or out. However, as the boom extends, the lifting capacity decreases. The lifting capacity of these hoists is rated for lifts with the arm fully extended. Various sizes of floor hoists are available and they may be, may be manually, hydraulically, or electrically powered. Superstructures for hoists. Hoists are generally suspended from an overhead support, a superstructure, which may be stationary and provide for only vertical lifting, or may also provide a means for moving the load from one area to another. These support structures must have safe lifting capacities greater than the lifting capacity of the hoist, and the safe lifting capacity must be clearly marked on these superstructures. All superstructures and supports must be certified by the engineer or manufacturer for lifting capacity. Gantry cranes. One of the most basic support structures that can also provide mobility is the gantry crane. With this superstructure, the load can be lifted and the entire crane assembly and the load can be moved to another area. Overhead runways. Runways usually consist of H-type or I-type structural steel beams that are either fastened to heavier cross beams on the ceiling or mounted on floor supports. The hoist is attached to rollers or trolleys that run along the bottom flange of the beam. Runways are used extensively in shops to move materials. They often extend from outside loading, unloading, and storage areas right into the shop. Switches, loops, and drop arms can be provided to move material to all strategic locations within a shop. Jib crane. Another type of support structure is the jib crane, whose main identifying feature is a boom that is attached to a vertical member that rotates. Jib cranes may be wall-mounted or they can be mounted on a pedestal. The entire crane assembly can also be mounted on rails for moving material from one area of the shop to another. Overhead traveling cranes. Overhead traveling cranes can also be referred to as gantry or bridge cranes. They can either be classified as top running or under running, depending on where the hoist assembly is actually mounted. The top running type generally has a greater load carrying capacity. 
The trolley on which the hoist assembly moves is mounted on top of bogies or end trucks that move along parallel runways. Underrunning traveling cranes are used for lighter loads, usually not more than 907 kilograms or 2,000 pounds. The hoist carrying bridge or beam is mounted on the trolleys. Mobile lifting equipment. Mobile lifting equipment used in the piping trades includes cranes, boom trucks, loaders, turfers, and tuggers. Tuggers. Tugger is a broad term that refers to an electric or hydraulic drum winch. Some electric winches can be bolted to a wall or floor to be used with a snatch block, pulley block, to lift pipes into place in a mechanical room. Mobile hoist. Boom trucks. Boom trucks are mobile hoisting equipment with three features. A hydraulic crane mounted on the truck's chassis for hoisting heavy loads, a flatbed to transport equipment and material, and often a personnel hoist or fiberglass basket to enable workers to reach and work at elevations. Boom trucks are often equipped with outriggers for stability. Boom styles can vary from straight telescopic to articulating and from 3 to 75 tons and 12 to 21 meters. Boom truck operators require training and certification. OHS regulation requires annual inspection of boom trucks and requires that they not be used unless a professional engineer certifies the structural, mechanical, and control elements of the truck are safe for use. Forklifts. No person shall operate a forklift without training. All training must typically be provided in accordance with the requirements of CSA standard B335-94, industrial lift truck training. One of the most common types of material handling equipment is the motorized forklift, which are used for lifting and transporting materials that can be stacked or placed on pallets. The main identifying feature of the forklift are the two horizontal arms that protrude from the vertical mast. The mast can be tilted forward between 10 and 25 degrees. The load lifting capacity of a forklift depends on the spacing of the forks, the height and the tilt of the mast, and the floor or ground surface. Lifting capacities can range from 907.2 kilograms to 31,752 kilograms or 2,000 pounds to 70,000 pounds. Forklifts can be powered by electricity or by an internal combustion engine. Manual forklifts, also called pallet trucks or pallet jacks, are hand-propelled units that can lift and move palleted loads that are sitting on a smooth floor. They cannot be used to stack loads one on top of the other as their maximum lift is 150 millimeters to 200 millimeters or 6 to 8 inches above the floor. They have small steel wheels under the forks and require smooth surfaces to travel on when loaded. The pallet jack shown here uses a hydraulic jack that is operated by pumping the handle to raise the forks. Travel is accomplished by pushing or pulling. Loads can be gently lowered to the floor by actuating a control lever at the handle. Rollers. Rollers can be used to move heavy objects by hand. Rollers are available commercially and can support many tons. The manufactured rollers consist of a series of roller bearings that also roll about a central core. These rollers are often used by house movers and installers of modular buildings. On construction sites, large heavy items such as full skids of pipe often need to be moved. These heavy loads can be moved using a jack and a few pieces of steel pipe. 
The pipe should be approximately 50 to 75 millimeters or 2 to 3 inches in diameter and the jack should be strong enough to lift one end of the load safely. A minimum of three pieces of pipe are needed and possibly two jacks. To move the load, jack one end of the load up enough to place two of the pipes under the load. The jack should be at the end of the load closest to the final location of the load. Try to get one of the pipes past half the length of the load away from the jack. The second pipe should be near the jack. Lower the load onto the pipes. Push the load towards the final destination. As the load moves, put the third pipe in front of the load and allow the load to roll onto it. As the load rolls off the last pipe, move it to the front. This method only works if the ground is sufficiently hard enough to not let the roller sink in and the surface is somewhat free of small debris. Never allow the rollers to protrude excessively from the edge of the load. Keep your hands and feet clear of the rollers and the load. Watch for pinch points and always stay clear. Practice with light loads before applying these procedures to heavy loads.